Chapter 5 The poor in spirit are enriched with a kingdom. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 5, 3 This is a high honor for the saints. They will be advanced to a kingdom. There are some who, aspiring after earthly greatness, talk of an earthly reign here. But then God's church on earth would not be militant, but triumphant. It's certain, though, that the saints will reign in a glorious manner. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. A kingdom is considered to be the ultimate and highest of all worldly happiness, and this honor have all his saints. Psalm 149, 9. That's why our Savior says, Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. All of Christ's subjects are kings. By the kingdom of heaven is meant that state of glory that the saints will enjoy when they will reign with God and the angels forever. Sin, hell, and death will be fully subdued. To illustrate this, I will show first how the saints in heaven are like kings. Kings have their insignia or regalia, their emblems of royalty and majesty. 1. Kings have their crowns. The saints after death have their royal crowns. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Revelation 2.10 Believers are not only pardoned, but they are also crowned. The crown is a symbol of honor. A crown is not for everyone. It will not fit every head. It is only for kings and people of honor to wear. Psalm 21.3 The crown that the poor in spirit will wear in heaven is an honorable crown. God Himself sets them in their honor and places the royal crown upon their heads. This crown that the saints will wear, which is divinely sparkling and illustrious, exceeds all others. A. It is more pure. Other crowns, although they may be made of pure gold, are still mixed metal. They have their troubles. A crown of gold cannot be made without thorns. It has so many aggravations associated with it that it is apt to make the head ache. This made Cyrus say that if people only knew what cares he sustained under the imperial crown, he thought they would not stoop to take it up. But the saint's crown is made without crosses. It is not mingled with concern of keeping it or fear of losing it. What Solomon says in another sense, I may say of the crown of glory, it adds no sorrow with it. Proverbs 10.22 This crown, like David's harp, drives away the evil spirit of sorrow and unrest. There can be no grief in heaven any more than there can be no joy in hell. B. This crown of glory does not draw envy to it. David's own son envied him and sought to take his crown from his head. A princely crown is often the target for envy and ambition to shoot at, but the crown the saints will wear is free from envy. One saint will not envy another saint because all are crowned. Even though one crown may be larger than another, everyone will have as big a crown as he is able to carry. And see, this is a never-fading crown. Tertullian says that this crown is not made out of either roses or gems. Other crowns quickly wear away and tumble into the dust. Doth the crown endure to every generation? Proverbs 27, 24. 
Henry VI was honoured with the crowns of two kingdoms, France and England. The first was lost through the faction of his nobles, and the other was twice plucked from his head. The crown has many heirs and successors. The crown is a withering thing. Death is a worm that feeds on it. But the crown of glory is imperishable. It fadeth not away. 1 Peter 5 4. It's not like the rose that loses its brightness and bloom. This crown cannot be made to wither, but like the flower we call everlasting, it remains fresh and bright always. Eternity is a jewel of a saint's crown. 2. Kings have their robes. The robe is a garment in which kings are clothed. The king of Israel and the king of Judah sat clothed in their robes. 2 Chronicles 18 9. The robe was of scarlet or velvet, lined with fur, sometimes of a purple color and sometimes of an azure brightness. The saints too will have their robes. I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds, and people and tongues, clothed with white robes. Revelation 7 9. The robes of the saints signify their glory and splendor, and white robes indicate their sanctity. They have no sin to stain or defile their robes. In these robes they will shine as the angels. 3. Kings have their scepters as a sign of rule and greatness. King Ahasuerus held out the golden scepter to Esther. Esther 5 2. The saints in glory have their scepters, and they have palms in their hands. Revelation 7 9. It was a custom of great conquerors to have palm branches in their hand as a token of victory. So the saints, those kings, have palms, an emblem of victory and triumph. They are victors over sin and hell. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. Revelation 12 11. And four kings have their thrones. When Caesar returned from conquering his enemies, there were granted to him four celebrations as symbols of honor, and there was set for him a chair of ivory in the Senate and a throne in the theater. The saints in heaven, returning from their victories over sin, will have a chair of state set for them that is richer than ivory or pearl and is a throne of glory. Revelation 3.21. A. It is a high throne. It is seated above all the kings and princes of the earth. It is far above all heavens. Ephesians 4.10. There is the airy heaven, which is that space from the earth to the sphere of the moon, the starry heaven, which is the place where the stars and those superior planets are, as the philosophers call them, planets of higher elevation, such as Saturn, Jupiter, Mars, etc., and the celestial heaven, which is called the third heaven, 2 Corinthians 12, 2. It is in this glorious, sublime place where the throne of the saints will be set up. B. It is a safe throne. Other thrones are unsafe. They stand tottering. Thou didst set them in slippery places. Psalm 73, 18. However, the saint's throne is firm. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne. Revelation 3, 21. The saints will sit with Christ. 
He keeps them safe so that no hand of violence can pull them from their throne. Think of this, you people of God. Although now you may be called to the judgment seat, you will soon sit upon the throne. Having shown how the saints in glory are like kings, let us see how the kingdom of heaven excels other kingdoms. 1. It excels in the founder and maker. Other kingdoms have men for their builders, but this kingdom has God for its builder. Hebrews 11.10. Heaven is said to be not made with hands. 2 Corinthians 5.1. Showing the excellency of it. Neither man nor angel could ever lay a stone in this building. God assembles this kingdom. Its builder and maker is God. 2. This kingdom excels in its riches. Gold does not surpass iron as much as this kingdom surpasses all other riches. The gates are of pearl, Revelation 21.21. The foundations of the wall of the city are garnished with all manner of precious stones, Revelation 21.19. It is enough for cabinets to have pearl, but were gates of pearl ever heard of before? It is said that kings will throw down their crowns and scepters before it, Revelation 4.10, as counting all their glory and riches as dust in comparison to it. This kingdom has deity itself to enrich it, and these riches are those that cannot be weighed in the balance. The heart of man cannot conceive of such wonder, nor can the tongue of angels express it. 3. This kingdom excels in its perfection. Other kingdoms are deficient. They don't have all provisions within themselves, nor do they have all merchandise and supplies of their own growth, but are forced to trade abroad to supply their needs at home. King Solomon sent for gold to Ophir, 2 Chronicles 8.18, but there is no lack in the kingdom of heaven. Heaven contains all the delights and wonders to be had. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. Revelation 21.7. Here is beauty, wisdom, glory, and magnificence. Here is the tree of life in the midst of this paradise. All things are to be found here except sin and sorrow, the absence of which adds to the fullness of this kingdom. 4. It excels in security. Other kingdoms fear either foreign invasions or internal divisions. Solomon's kingdom was peaceable for a while, but at last he had an alarm given to him by the enemy. 1 Kings 11, 11, 14. However, the kingdom of heaven is so invincible that it doesn't fear any hostile assaults or attacks. The demons are said to be locked up in chains. Jude 1, 6. The saints in heaven will no more need to fear them than a man fears being robbed by a thief who is locked up in chains. The gates of this celestial kingdom are not shut at all by day. Revelation 21.25. We shut the gates of a city in a time of danger, but the gates of that kingdom always stand open to show that there is no fear of the approach of an enemy. The kingdom has gates for the magnificence of it, but the gates are not shut because of the security of it. And 5. This kingdom excels in its stability. Other kingdoms have futility written upon them. They cease and are changed. 
Although they may have a head of gold, they have feet of clay. Daniel 2.32-33 I will cause the kingdom to cease. Hosea 1.4 Kingdoms have their watershed year. Where is the glory of Athens? Where is the pomp of Troy? What has become of the Assyrian, Grecian, and Persian monarchies? Those kingdoms are demolished and laid in the dust, but the kingdom of heaven has eternity written upon it. It is an everlasting kingdom. 2 Peter 1.11 Other kingdoms may be lasting, but they are not everlasting. The author of Hebrews calls it a kingdom which cannot be moved. Hebrews 12.28 It is fastened upon a strong foundation, the omnipotence of God. It runs parallel with eternity. They shall reign forever and ever. Revelation 22.5 I will next discuss the truth of this premise that the saints will possess this kingdom. In regard to God's free grace, it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Luke 12.32 It's not anything that we deserve, but it is God's free grace. The Roman Catholics say that we earn the kingdom, but we reject the title of merit. Heaven is given freely. There is a price paid. Jesus Christ has shed His blood for it. All saints come to the kingdom through blood. Christ's hanging upon the cross was to bring us to the crown. Just as the kingdom of heaven is a gift in regard to the Father, so it is a purchase in regard to the Son. God giving the saints His kingdom shows us that Christianity is not an unreasonable thing. God does not give us work without giving us a reward. Godliness enthrones us in a kingdom. When we hear of the doctrine of repentance, soaking our souls in salty tears for sin, and when we hear of the doctrine of mortification, pulling out the right eye and beheading the main sin, then we are ready to think it is hard to swallow this bitter pill. But there is a message in the text that may sweeten it. There is a kingdom ahead, and that will make amends for everything. This glorious reward as far exceeds our thoughts as it surpasses our faults. No one can say to God without wrong that He is a hard master. God gives double pay. He bestows a kingdom upon those who fear Him. Satan may denounce the ways of God, like those spies who raised a bad report of the good land, Numbers 13.32, but will Satan improve your wages if you serve him? He gives pitiful pay. Instead of a kingdom, those who serve him receive chains of darkness. Jude 1, 6. See here the mercy and kindness of God in that he has prepared a kingdom for his people. It is a favor that we poor worms and not men, Psalm 22, 6, should be permitted to live. Not only that, but for such worms to be made kings is a divine blessing. It is mercy to pardon us, but it is rich mercy to crown us. Behold what manner of love this is, 1 John 3, 1. Earthly princes may give great gifts and presents to their subjects, but they keep the kingdom for themselves. Although Pharaoh advanced Joseph to honor and gave him a ring from his finger, 
he kept the kingdom for himself. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. Genesis 41:40. However, God gives a kingdom to his people and sets them upon the throne. How David admires the goodness of God in bestowing upon him an earthly kingdom. Then went King David in and sat before the Lord, and he said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house, that thou hast brought me hitherto? 2 Samuel 7, 18. He marveled that God would take him from the sheepfold and set him on the throne, that God would turn his shepherd's staff into a scepter. Oh, then, how may the saints admire the riches of grace, that God would give them a kingdom above all the princes of the earth, a kingdom far above all heavens. God believes that nothing is too good for His children. We often think much of a tear, of a prayer, or to sacrifice a sin for Him, but He doesn't think much to bestow a kingdom upon us. How will the saints read over the lectures of free grace in heaven and trumpet forth the praises of that God who has crowned them with loving kindness? It shows us that Christianity is not a disgraceful thing. Wise people measure things by the outcome. What is the result of godliness? It brings a kingdom. A person's sin brings him to shame. Proverbs 13:5. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof you are now ashamed? Romans 6:21. Christianity, however, brings a person to honor. Proverbs 4, 8. It brings a person to a throne and a crown, and it results in glory. It is the sinner's foolishness to reproach a saint. It is similar to when Shimei reproached David when he was going to be made king. 2 Samuel 16, 7-8. It is a saint's wisdom to disregard a reproach. Say as David did when he danced before the ark, I will yet be more vile. 2 Samuel 6.22. If to pray and hear and serve my God is to be vile, I will yet be more vile. This is my excellency, my glory. I am doing now that which will bring me to a kingdom. Oh, do not think it is a disgrace to be a Christian. I speak it primarily to you who are entering upon the ways of God. Perhaps you may meet with those who will reproach and rebuke you. Bind their reproaches as a crown around your head. Despise their rebuke as much as their praise. Remember that there is a kingdom dependent upon godliness. Sin draws hell after it, but grace draws a crown after it. See here that which may make the people of God long for death. Then they will enter upon their kingdom. The wicked may indeed fear death, for death will not lead them to a kingdom, but to a prison. Hell is the jail where they must lie rotting forever with the devil and his angels. To every Christless person, death is the king of terror. However, the godly may long for death, for it will raise them to a kingdom. When the father of the Roman general Scipio told him of that glory that the soul would be blessed with in a state of immortality, Scipio asked why he would then tarry long upon the earth. Why would he not hasten to die? Believers are not perfectly happy until death. 
When Croesus asked Solon who he thought was happy, he named a man named Tellus, someone who was dead. After death, a Christian will be completely installed into his honor. The anointing oil will be poured on him, and the royal crown will be set upon his head. The Thracians in their funerals used music. The heathens, as Theocritus observes, had their funeral banquet because of that joy that they supposed the deceased parties were entered into. The saints are now heirs of the kingdom. James 2 5. Does not the heir desire to be crowned? Truly, there is enough to detach us and make us willing to be gone from here. The saints eat ashes like bread. Psalm 102 9. They are here in a suffering condition. Our bones are scattered at the grave's mouth, as when one cutteth and cleaveth wood upon the earth. Psalm 141 7. When a man chops and cuts a tree, the chips fly up and down, here and there a chip. So, in this world, here a saint is wounded, there a saint is massacred. Our bones fly up and down like those wood chips. For thy sake we are killed all the day long. Romans 8 36. However, there is a kingdom coming. When the body is buried, the soul is crowned. Who would not be willing to sail in a storm if he were sure to be crowned as soon as he arrived at the shore? How is it that the godly look so dreadfully at thoughts of death as if they were going to their execution rather than their coronation? Although we should be willing to stay here a while to serve God and others, yet with the Apostle Paul we should desire to depart and to be with Christ. Philippians 1.23 The day of a believer's death is the day of his inauguration. How will we know that we will be part of this glorious kingdom at death? If God has set up his kingdom within you, you will be part of this glorious kingdom at death. The kingdom of God is within you, Luke 17.21. By the kingdom of God, there is meant the kingdom of grace in the heart. Grace may be compared to a kingdom. It sways the scepter, it gives out laws. There is the law of love. Grace beats down the devil's garrisons, it brings the heart into a sweet subjection to Christ. Is this kingdom of grace set up in your heart? Do you rule over your sins? Can you bind those kings in chains? Psalm 149, 8. Are you a king over your pride, passion, and unbelief? Is the kingdom of God within you? While others pursue earthly greatness and labor for a kingdom outside them, do you labor for a kingdom within you? Certainly, if the kingdom of grace is in your heart, you will have the kingdom of glory. If God's kingdom enters into you, you will enter into His kingdom. Don't let that person ever think he will reign in glory if he lives as a slave to his lusts. If you are a believer, you will go to this blessed kingdom. Rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom. James 2, 5. Faith is a heroic act of the soul. It makes a holy adventure on God by a promise. This is the crowning grace. Faith puts us into Christ, and our title to the crown comes in by Christ. By faith we are born of God, 
and so we become children of the royal blood. By faith our hearts are purified, Acts 15, 9, and we are made fit for a kingdom, rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom. Faith paves the road to heaven. Believers die as heirs to the crown. He who has a noble, kingly spirit will go to the heavenly kingdom. Set your affection on things above. Colossians 3 2. Do you live in the world or above the world? The eagle does not catch flies, but it soars high up in the air. Do you hunger after glory and immortality? Do you have a brave, majestic spirit and a heavenly desire? Do you regard the favor of God, the peace of Zion, and the salvation of your soul? Do you abhor that which is dishonorable and below you? Can you trample upon all earthly things? Is heaven in your eye? Is Christ in your heart? And is the world under your feet? He who has such a kingly spirit that looks no lower than a crown will dwell on high, Isaiah 33, 16, and will have his throne raised far above all heavens. The exhortation has a double aspect. It looks toward the wicked. Is there a kingdom to be had, a kingdom so adorned and covered with glory? Oh, then, do not by your foolishness make yourselves incapable of this advancement. Do not forfeit a kingdom in order to satisfy a shameful lust. Do not drink away a kingdom. Do not lose the crown of life for the lap of pleasure. If, before they committed a sin, people would just sit down and rationally consider whether the present gain and sweetness in sin would offset the loss of a kingdom, I believe it would put them into a cold sweat and give some check to their unbridled affections. Jacob took Esau by the heel. Genesis 25:26. Do not look upon the smiling face of sin, but take it by the heel. Look at the end of it. It will deprive you of a kingdom, and can anything make amends for that loss? Oh, is it not insanity to lose a kingdom for the unfruitful works of darkness? Ephesians 5:11. At the last day, the devil will reproach and laugh at those who were so stupidly foolish as to forego a crown for a rattle, like those who for pictures and glass beads will part with their gold. Surely it will much contribute to the vexation of the condemned to think how foolishly they missed a kingdom. The exhortation looks toward the godly, and it exhorts to two things. A. Is there a kingdom promised? Then let this be a motive to duty. Do all the service you can for God while you live. Spend and be spent. 2 Corinthians 12:15. The reward is honorable. The thoughts of a kingdom should add wings to prayer and fire to zeal. What honor and dignity has been done to Mordecai? asked King Ahasuerus, Esther 6:3. Inquire what has been done for God. What love have you shown to his name? What zeal have you shown for his glory? Where is the head of that Goliath, lust, you have slain for his sake? I think we should sometimes go away into our prayer closets and weep as we consider how little work we have done for God. What a vast disproportion is there between our service and our reward. 
What is all our weeping and fasting compared to a kingdom? Oh, use all that you have for God. Make seasons of grace and opportunities for service. So that you may act more earnestly for God, know and be assured that the more work you do, the more glory you will have. Every saint will have a kingdom, but the more service anyone does for God, the greater his kingdom will be. I will prove that there are degrees of glory. First, there are degrees of glory because there are degrees of torment in hell. They shall receive greater damnation. Luke 20, 47. Those who make religion a cloak for their sin will have a hotter place in hell. Now, if there are degrees of torment in hell, then by the rule of contraries there are degrees of glory in the kingdom of heaven. Again, since God in His free grace rewards people according to their works, then the more service they do, the greater their reward will be. Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. Revelation 22:12. He who has done more will receive more. He whose pound gained ten was made ruler over ten cities. Luke 19, 16-17. This may very much stir you up to excellence in Christianity. The more the lamp of your grace shines, the more you will shine in the heavenly sphere. Do you want your crown to be brighter, your kingdom to be larger, and your palm branches more flourishing? Then be Christians of degrees. Do much work in a little time. While you are laying it all out, God is laying it up. Matthew 6, 19-21 The more glory you bring to God, the more glory you will have from God. And be, walk worthy of this kingdom that ye would walk worthy of God, who hath called you unto his kingdom. 1 Thessalonians 2.12 Live as kings. Let the majesty of holiness appear in your faces. Those who looked on Stephen saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. Acts 6.15 A kind of angelic brightness was seen in his countenance. When we shine in zeal, humility, and urgency, This beautifies and honors us in the eyes of others and makes us look as those who are heirs apparent to a crown. There is comfort here to the people of God in situations of poverty. God has provided them a kingdom. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. A child of God is often so low in the world that he doesn't have a foot of land to inherit. He is poor in his wallet as well as in spirit. But here a fountain of consolation is opened. The poorest saint who has lost all his golden fleece is heir to a kingdom, a kingdom that excels all the kingdoms and principalities of the world more than pearl or diamond excels brass. It is unequaled and endless. Basil said that the hope of a kingdom should carry a Christian with courage and cheerfulness through all his afflictions. Martin Luther said, The sea of God's mercy, overflowing in spiritual blessings, should drown all the sufferings of this life. So what if you now go around in rags? You will have your white robes. What does it matter if you are fed as Daniel with beans and lack fancy food? You will feast when you come into the kingdom. 
Here you drink the water of tears, but you will soon drink the wine of paradise. Be comforted with the thoughts of a kingdom.